It's the Adam Ritz Show, a social awareness talk show touching on fellowship, leadership, philanthropy, and more. Adam hosts the show on location from coast to coast, interviewing college students, student athletes, campus administrators, professional athletes, and social experts about social issues ranging from bullying to Twitter and everything in between. And now, it's your social awareness radio host, Adam Ritz. The Adam Ritz Show is in Carbondale, Illinois. We're on the campus of Southern Illinois University, and we are broadcasting in front of this live studio audience. That is uh, fantastic. Thank you so much for the warm welcome. It is Greek week. There's a lot of Greeks in the audience. I hear a cheer for Delta Zeta. I know Sigma Cap is in the room. And Sigma Chi. Delta Delta Chi is here. And I also know that Tall Kappa Epsilon is here. Is that correct? Yeah. Okay, okay. All right, and we're lucky enough to have uh, Teak for short, is yeah. what I'll call it, to save syllables. Um, Teak member. Uh, Chris Lewis is joining us. Hi, Chris. How are you? I'm doing just fine. How about uh, yourself? I'm doing great, and I, I thank you for coming up to talk to us about a, a charity, uh, a benefit, a foundation project that you guys are working on to make this uh, community better. That's First of all, what's the project? Who does it benefit? Uh, it is the crawfish boil that is happening on April 30th, and it will be, benefit the uh, St. Jude's Hospital that we will be raising money for. Already we have... Uh, raised over $1,200 for him, and the event hasn't even happened yet. So. 1200 bucks. Let's have a round of applause for that. That's awesome. Okay. Now, we have a, a national audience listening. Can they go to um, a website to donate that can't make the, uh, the crawfish boil here in Carbondale? Uh, you can probably go to our uh, Talk of Epsilon Beta Chi page on Facebook uh, to find a donation link on there if they, want, if like, they would like to. Okay, and how many years uh, have you done this? This is only our second year so far. Second year, yeah. so it's getting bigger and better. What'd yeah. you learn from last year to make this one bigger? Uh, this year, uh, more parents, because more parents that come down, they bring more stuff, and uh, honestly, they, they're the ones that really help us bring this whole thing together. Okay, so if you're near uh, Carbondale, Illinois, on April 30th, uh, stop by the Teak House and do help donate for St. Jude's Hot. That's a great organization nationally. Is that the Teak National uh, Philanthropy, by the it, way? It sure is. Okay, so St. Jude's. Uh, there's stjudes.org. Yeah. And uh, real quick, before I let you go, I know you're here in front of this audience tonight as part of Greek Week running for the Greek God. Is that correct? I am. I am. Now tell me and my listeners that aren't familiar with this, what is the Greek God? If you were to win this, what would your responsibilities be? I would represent Greek life to the f- max. <laughs> <laughs> to the max. To the okay, max. that's Chris Lewis, hopefully Greek God 2016. We'll see, we'll see. And uh, we want to thank you for all your work you do with St. Jude's Children's Hospital. Let's have a round of applause for Chris and everybody here at Southern Illinois University Carbondale. Thank you so much. Get to know Adam at AdamRitz.com. Get to know the radio show at AdamRitzShow.com. Continuing on in Charlotte, North Carolina, on the campus of UNC Charlotte, we're here with the head football coach of the 49ers. He is Brad Lambert. Hi, Coach Lambert. How are you? I'm doing well, Adam. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Uh, I'm so happy to be able to talk to you. Head coaches are are good friends of our show because we like to talk about 
uh, high character issues and integrity, maybe even fatherhood, um, what it takes to be a gentleman outside of the X's and O's of playing college football. And, um, I mean, you know a lot, a lot about all those issues from playing college football and teaching these kids how to play college football because you can't do it without character, integrity, uh, and stuff like that. So when you're bringing a guy into college to play for you, what kind of character and integrity are, looking, are you looking for? What kind of social media uh, traits or attributes are you looking for? And have you had a situation where you've had a kid you were going to bring in and then you see something online and you're like, nope, next? Yeah, I think there's, you know, that's what's changed in college football over the years. And, and we use social media now and uh, we've had situations where we're recruiting a guy and something's come up on his social media and we just, you know, quit recruiting him. Uh, we drop him and, and move on to the next guy. There's a lot of good players out there uh, in America that do the right thing and the things that you're looking for. And that's where we start in the recruiting process. You know, we start with their character. And, and we tell our guys all the time, our coaches go on the road, and you have to ask a lot of questions. You've got to be intentional about it. Uh, you've got to talk to not just the coach. You've got to talk to uh, somebody that's working in the building, the guidance counselor, you know, maybe an administrative uh, guy in the building. You've got to go out of your way and be, and be intentional about finding out about a young man's character and what's he really all about? Is he a team guy? Is it always about the team first? Is, uh, you know, things like that you're always looking for. Do you tell a young man, he's 17, he's getting ready to start his senior year, he's popped up on your radar, you start to recruit him. Do you, um, okay, he knows you're looking at him. Do you stop and say, okay, young man, we're looking at your character too. So don't write anything on social media that you don't want us to see. Do you tell them that or do you not let that cat out of the bag so you can sort of weed those bad apples out, I guess? Well, what, what we tell them in the process is, you know, they're looking at it, they're trying to find a place that they're going to spend the next four years. It's going to affect 40 years of their life. But on the flip side of that is we're looking at, at you to say, hey, do we want to be around this guy for the next four or five years? And there's a lot of things involved in that, the decisions that you make and the things you've done and, you know, that you're putting out on social media. So we talk about that with the guys. Hey, look, we, we want to make sure that you fit in with our team and you're, you know what we're all about. Uh, so, yeah, we address that with the guys. Do you tweet? Instagram, Facebook, any of that stuff? I'm on Twitter now. I've made the big move. I hadn't, <laughs> I hadn't, hadn't tweeted much, but, uh, yeah, we're moving toward that, you know, that angle because it's, it's something that uh, the kids are, you know, they're, they're, that's how they live now. Uh, I've got a daughter that's in college, and so we experience it every day, and, and we're trying to use that platform in recruiting and, and looking at what guys are doing out there. And, and it can be a positive thing. You know, we're shredding our, our brand, you know, here at UNC Charlotte and trying to get the word out about what we're doing and starting our program. Okay, for our listeners, it's, I'm going to guess, at Coach Brad Lambert. Uh, yeah, look at you. It's at Coach underscore Lambert 49. At Coach underscore Lambert 49. Check him out on Twitter. Uh, if you're a high school student athlete and you've got hops and skills, contact Coach. Let him know uh, about your demo tape that's online somewhere. Um, coach Lambert, I want to talk to you real quick about starting this program. I mean, some people would say you're absolutely crazy. Your, your coaching career Big-time Division I programs, Wake Forest, University of Georgia. And in, uh, is it 2011? There wasn't even a football team here. 
and they contacted you and said, would you like to start a football program here at UNC Charlotte? Yeah, it's kind of crazy. You're, uh, you're crazy. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's one thing, though, when you're a dad and you have young children and you're, you kind of get excited on Christmas when they open everything up. you got to put it all together. You know, you're kind of that builder. So that was the, the exciting thing about coming here and, and having a chance to put your fingerprint on everything that's been done around here. You know, hire all the the coaches and the staff, and pick the players, and and so and lay the right foundation uh, based on that character thing we were talking about, and bringing the right people in, and and establishing something that'll last, you know, stand the the test of time. And so that was the exciting thing for me. Uh, Charlotte's a great city, and so it was easy, you know, to see once I interviewed the plan that was in place. And so it was uh, it was an easy decision once we got involved. And. How many recruiting classes have you had? Have you had one go through four years now? We're in our, our first class uh, that we signed in 2012. They'll be seniors this fall right. in the fall of 16. They've been here since day one. They were here in 2012 when we just practiced. We didn't play any games. Uh, so they've, they've withstood the test of time. And, and that's a pretty special group to us because there wasn't anything here. We used pictures to show them what we were going to be. And, and they were risk takers. You had to find, find risk takers, guys that wanted to step out, take a risk, build something. Uh, so that's a pretty special group to us. And when you were hired, it was possibly Division One AA. And now it's Division One. You're in Conference USA. I mean, you're, you're, you could be bowl eligible. I mean, this is a major Division One college football program. Yeah, we're in, in our first year in 2016 where we can go to a bowl game. Uh, so it's happened extremely fast for us. Uh, we were a 1AA team, and that was the plan. And then we hit the whole realignment thing in 2012 when all these teams started changing leagues, and Conference USA called us. And uh, you know our chancellor and athletic director decided, hey, this is where we want to go, and this is where we want to be, and so it changed pretty quick for us. Uh, but you know, I, I really like where we are, and it's a lot of fun for our guys. Some of them came here; they didn't know they were going to play Division One football, and, and here we go. Uh, so we played last year in Conference USA, and and this year will be our first opportunity to play uh, to get bowl eligible. Well, it's an inspirational story um, to hear somebody that can do this start from scratch. All the trials and tribulations. Here you are, uh, Conference USA stadium possibly getting bigger. I've heard some plans in the works, maybe down the road. So you have 20 years of success here. It'll be Brad Lambert Stadium, yeah. 85,000 plus, right? Yeah, I doubt that, Adam. But uh, <laughs> who knows? In 20 years, <laughs> we're just trying to win in 16. <laughs> well, I appreciate all your insights. Before I let you go, uh, you're a dad. I am a dad. I have three children, a daughter who's a sophomore in college, and we have a 15-year-old son, 11-year-old son. A 15, 11, okay, that's young. Yeah. So um, we love getting insights on fatherhood from you're really a professional father because you've got 100 guys on your team that look to you as a dad. So for myself, I'm a father. For any fathers listening to the broadcast, in a nutshell, uh, what's your advice on being a great dad? Uh, time. You know, you've got to invest time, and that's the interesting piece for us in coaching uh, we've got to be really creative with our time, incorporate our our children, our staff's children within what we do because we're mentors to our players, but we also need to be models to our players. And that's what they see, how we handle our own families and what kind of husband are we and what kind of father are we. So we try to incorporate both. And, and But the number one piece is it's time. You know, love spelled T-I-M-E. You've got to invest time in them and make sure you're there for them. And, and that's uh, an important piece. Your sons play football, play uh, basketball, lacrosse, anything? Football, they're playing football and golf, the two and greatest sports ever. Do their coaches know 
that their dad is a Division One college football coach? That'd be tough. That's a yeah. tough spot for a for a coach of a kid to know that any play he calls is going to get scrutinized um, by a player's dad who knows ten times more than he knows, a hundred times more. Well, I don't know about all that, but my youngest just started his little spring football, and his coach figured out who his dad was. So uh, <laughs> it's been it's been a lot of fun. We have we have fun with it. Just take over. Just go on the sidelines. Take his take his clipboard. Say, no. sit down. I'm taking over. No. Throw it to the tight end. That's what I always say. That's right. No, we wouldn't do that. All right. I got to tell you, it's been a pleasure uh, looking at your program. It's a beautiful facility. We want everybody to check out uh, uncharlotte.edu. Yep. I'm guessing online. The entire uncc. Edu. Uncc.edu online. Check out this campus. It's beautiful. How many students here? 27,000. I mean, that's a huge campus. That's, yeah. a, that's a huge, huge campus. There's a lot of schools in, in the, um, the BCS Bold Division. What is that called? What are those? The, the Power Five. The Power right? Five. There's yeah. a lot of Power Five schools that don't have 27,000. Uh, so this is the real deal here. We wish you the best of luck. We thank you for your hospitality. It's Coach Brad Lambert with UNC Charlotte 49ers football. Thanks, Coach. Thank you. Appreciate you being here. Get socially technical with The Adam Ritz Show. Facebook, Adam Ritz Show. Twitter, at Adam Ritz. It's social, technically. We're pleased to be in the Atlanta area on the campus of Emory University with um, an administrator, his name is Marlon Gibson. Hi, Marlon. How are you? Thanks for joining us. Yes, I'm well. And you? I'm fantastic. And Marlon, uh, you are in the student division or student affairs. You're the dean of students. What is your title? I'm sorry for butchering it. No, I, I someday hope to be a dean. Uh, I'm the assistant dean for campus life, director of sorority and fraternity life here at Emory University. Okay. And we love getting your perspective as a campus administrator on uh, some topics we cover on the show, including student leadership. Uh, charities, benefits, philanthropies. We know Greek life, the fraternities, sororities. They do a ton yes. on campus to help out uh, their communities and nationally with, with organizations like the Muscular mm -hmm. Dystrophy Association, yes. uh, Breast Cancer Awareness, stuff like that. What can you tell us uh, what your students do here at Emory to, uh, first of all, help out the Atlanta area, uh, and then what maybe sometimes uh, the kids do to help out larger national organizations? So one of the things is we're striving to take 15, 18 students to Jamaica to actually take it a little bit further wow. to help folks. Yeah, for spring break this year. Our Sigma Chi's do a great job of working with Ronald McDonald House, and so do our women of Alpha Delta Pi. Our ZBTs are planning a philanthropy for the entire Greek community for, um, it's called Bikeathon. And hopefully it will become an actual philanthropic event for the entire community, uh, something that we hope will become a tradition here at Emory. And that actually raises money for the B-plus Foundation. And so that's a really neat initiative that we have going on. And then, of course, we also support our local Boys and Girls Clubs as well. Uh, and then any other things that we can help out with in the Atlanta area. And so our community continues to evolve and continues to help support Atlanta. That's a lot of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what is the, uh, that jumped out at me, the B-plus foundation? What's the B-plus? Because I always wanted to have a B-plus. I never got one. Uh, I was part of the C-plus foundation, yes, but uh, yes, what was the yes. B-plus foundation? Yeah, so the B-plus foundation actually raises money for children that um, – are fighting with cystic fibrosis. Oh, wow. Yeah, and so it's a really neat opportunity. And actually, uh, your own fraternity, SIGUP, introduced B-plus to our community last year. And so they brought a national representative from the B-plus Foundation to talk to our community. And one of the men learned more about it and has decided to make it a community philanthropic event. Okay, yeah. so a national organization, B-plus Foundation, 
to help cystic fibrosis, our listeners can look it up on online if you yeah. just Google the B Plus Foundation. Mm-hmm. Um, Marlon and donate, and donate <laughs> yes, help out online. They want your money. Yes. Uh, Marlon Gibson is our guest uh, administrator here at uh, administrator here at Emory University. And the other thing you said that really piqued my interest is the spring break trip to Jamaica. Yeah. It's a service trip. It is. And I got it. You know, a lot of our listeners we're all middle aged. We think about our spring break, and it was just, you know. Fort Lauderdale and a yeah. bunch of dummies uh, acting the fool, playing the fool on the beach with a with a can in your hand. Now, kids today are very socially responsible, and there are actual trips during spring break planned, mission trips, yeah. to take that week. Mm-hmm. You still get some nice weather. Of course, it's, yeah. There's a beach probably nearby, yeah, but yeah. you're doing good works. What are you guys going to be doing in Jamaica? So actually, it's through Delta Upsilon. And so Kay Shindell is the director of the Global Initiatives. And Kay spends a lot of time in Jamaicans, built relationships uh, with families there. So it really depends. We could be rebuilding a school. We could be rebuilding houses. Uh, But Kay has built relationships to where when we get there, it's all laid out for us. Uh, Even our buses, all of our transportation, our lodging, and even down to our meals. We have a chef that will have all the meals prepared for the students that week. And so they don't actually have to go in restaurants and worry about trying to fit 15 wow. people in the smaller restaurant. It's an amazing initiative that DU is doing. And so we're one of the few schools. I know that she also works with Iowa State University as well as UConn, uh, and of course with DU and our Association of Fraternity and Sorority Advisors. Uh, Kay actually has led some initiatives through them. And so this is our first year for it. We're excited, and we're hoping that it'll really be a hit with our community. And that's through Delta Upsilon, but who is Kay? You kept uh, saying Kay. Kay Shindell. So Kay is the director of global initiatives, and she works for Delta Upsilon. Okay. Uh, And so Kay is a friend and a colleague, and she's also the national president of Tri Sigma. Okay. Yes. And it's the first time you've done this. Have you done anything like this prior, close to this, some sort of mission trip during a vacation? Uh, I have, yes, uh, as a student. Yeah, I went to the Bahamas. Yeah, I did a habitat trip. Well, that was rough. Yeah, it was really, really, really <laughs> rough. But somebody had to do it, right? Yes. And so, yeah. Um, but the thing there was when we got there, we had to learn where we were staying. We actually brought our sleeping bags. We slept on floors. Kay doesn't have that experience for us. We're not going to be staying at the Ritz-Carlton. Uh, but we will be staying uh, at similar to like a camping experience where you won't be on the floor. Yeah. Uh, but she'll be in like a cabin type experience. Uh, and so this is what we're going to do. And I know you probably, I'm asking you too many questions here because it's the first time you've done it with, with Delta Upsilon and uh, Jamaica. Mm-hmm. Um, but do you know what the itinerary is as far as how many hours per day is there going to be work versus yeah. uh, free time? Is the free time unsupervised? I mean, is this kind of a, sp- a normal spring break, but just a couple of hours a day you got to do something good too? No, you're actually working every day from 8 until 4. Woo! Yeah, it's pretty serious. And there's actually a curriculum, so you have conversations after dinner about what you did and what you're, what you're gaining from that experience and how you're leaving an impact on that community. That is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. You know, i got to believe is, uh, you know, from my work with human resource departments, yeah. of course this is a great cause that's going to help people. Mm-hmm. But i got to believe that this looks great on a resume. Yes, absolutely. It does. And it, I think it's also a great conversation starter during a resume to talk about how you gave up your spring break to help somebody that's less fortunate yes. than you. Yes. That's not even in Atlanta or New York or wherever you may be from. Now, you're not, um, you know, I don't want to give away your age because you look like a young man to me. But uh, I, I can't imagine that Bahama trip that you did with your mission trip was just in the last couple of years. How long ago was that? Oh, I graduated in 02. 
Okay. So, uh, so a little bit. I, I would, I'm just guessing that back then it wasn't the norm to take a spring break and go do a mission trip. You, you had to have been one of the first ones. Is this, is this uh, socially conscious America was, was coming to? As we know today, you were on the forefront of doing that. Do people think you were nuts? Your friends from high school? What are you doing for spring break? Yeah, and so actually it's hilarious that you say that because my fraternity brothers went the same time. So we were on the same cruise ship, and my trip was $100. And they weren't on the mission trip? They yeah. just went as idiots? Yeah, they had the complete <laughs> spring break where they drank until they fell out. Yeah, and mine was really different. And so, I mean, it was hilarious to see them on the same ship, uh, and then, like, so mine was different. At night, we actually were able to go to the bars and areas like that, and so I would see them there. Uh, but it was a little different because ours was ran by campus ministry, so we weren't able to consume alcohol like they did. Okay. We weren't supposed to. Oh, okay, I gotcha. Yes. I gotcha. Yes. Uh, yeah. So they're they're like, hey, meet us at the pool for beer pong, and and you're like, no, I have work to do. Yes. And I, they probably felt a little guilty. Yeah, because they got to spend their entire day lounging around while I actually had to like work and rebuild homes. And it, it's something I'll never forget because the faces that you get to see of the families who are going to live in the house that you're helping to build mm -hmm. and how prideful they are in that experience is really phenomenal. Long story short, and the moral to the story is that years later, you're the assistant dean at Emory, yeah. and some of those guys on that cruise ship are working in a warehouse somewhere. Uh well, some, but so, yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, some are doing well, uh, and some are just still partying. Still partying, yes. okay, they just never got it, they never grew up. Yeah. Well, we're uh, proud to have you on the show, he's Marlon Gibson, Assistant Dean at Emory University, real quick before I let you go, this campus, it's like a movie set, I kind of, there were parts of it when I was walking through, it made me feel like I was in Disney World, it's so picturesque, like a theme park, yeah. clean. Yeah. Like any of our listeners that go to Disney World, the first thing you think of is there's not even a piece of gum on the, on the yeah. concrete. Yeah. It's, it's like that here. It's beautiful. What can you tell our listeners on the other side of the country that are just learning about Emory mm -hmm. in, in the Atlanta area uh, beyond what we just said about how picturesquely beautiful it is? What else can you tell us about Emory? It's a great place to learn. Uh, we were just rated number 21. Uh, through U.S. World and Reports, and so it's a great environment. We have amazing students, and we really support our students. We really care for them, uh, and it really is a great place to be. Uh, our alums are proud of Emory. We're proud to call Emory home, and so are our students. One of my best friends from junior high school, who I lost touch with, with when he moved, is an Emory, proud Emory alum, and now I know why. So yeah. it's beautiful. Thanks for hosting the show, and uh, we wish you the best of luck with everything. And we want to do a follow-up report with you uh, after next spring break to find out how that mission trip went to Jamaica. Will you join us then? My pleasure. Absolutely. Okay, Marlon, thank you so much for coming on. Yes, thank you, Adam. Thanks for coming, Emory. The Adam Ritz Show. Fellowship, leadership, and philanthropy. Social Awareness Radio continues with one of our favorite guests, Jenny Anchando from Fox 4 in Dallas, Texas. Jenny, uh, thanks for coming back on the show. How's Dallas going? Hey, going really well. Um, got out of Indy just in time to get out of that cold weather that was coming. Love Indianapolis, but I tell you what, that... Uh, that weather's brutal, so it's nice to be in Dallas where it's warm. Well, a lot of your work uh, in Indianapolis at your previous uh, job at Fox 59 involved uh, women's initiatives. You started a women's uh, mentor group. Is yeah. that right? How did that uh, transfer to Dallas, or did it transfer to Dallas? Um, I'm actually – it's so funny because I was speaking to all the ladies within Mentoring Women's Network before I left because we just launched a national platform. We started it in Indianapolis about – 
two years ago, gosh, yeah, two years ago, and just launched a national platform where people can go on virtually and essentially find mentors in their industry. So for example, if they are working, um, I mean, like an industry like mine, where it's very competitive, and you may or may not have a, a colleague that, you know, a seasoned colleague that wants to work with you and help develop your skills, well, then we connect you with somebody from across the country. Um, this is so we have a lot of high level CEOs, we have a lot of business leaders, business owners that are part of this. And then also, you know, younger up and comers, uh, people who are making a job transition midlife, um, people are coming uh, out of, you know, having raised children and getting back into the workforce. So, um, so they were like, Jenny, you have to start a chapter in Dallas. So what I'm hoping to do is find, you know, some, some really motivated and dynamic women in Dallas to kind of get that going. Cause it takes a lot of work to, get the platform going. But once we set it up, then it's all already set up because we did the whole sort of template for it in Indy. So it's ready to open up in any city. Um, also open one in Fort Wayne, Indiana. And then there are some others that are sort of in the development phases of hopefully being able to open up. So I hope, hope, hope that, um, that we're able to do something like that in Dallas because I think the, the women, uh, you know, there's a need for, for something specifically like this to help us connect with others within the community. And, um, the uh, the woman who who started this and then got the whole board of directors, which I'm a part of, with that you know sort of founding group, just wrote a book um, about mentoring, and uh, I was able to write a little blurb in there along with some of the other women. So we're just kind of distributing the book now too. It's on Amazon. Um, okay, what's the book called? You search for Mentoring Women's Network, and it'll come up. And now that that title escapes me, of course. Um, but if you just search Mentoring Women's Network or Allison okay. Martin, who is the author, um, then you can find it. And it kind of gives a good platform. It's almost like if you're just sort of wondering about, um, you know, where to go with with your life and with your career and how to reach out and find somebody that might be able to get you to the next level. It's really helpful with that. I mean, I, um, neither of my parents went to college. They both, um, work very, very hard, um, for their money now and were supportive of me going to college, but we had no idea how to actually find me a job. You know, it was like, mm -hmm. what do you do after that part? We had no connections. I'm from such a small town. And so, um, so mentors were really the people who got me going in life and, the author of that, that book, Allison, she was a single mom as a teenager and uh, emancipated from her parents, totally on her own, and then um, became the executive director of a massive nonprofit and now runs her own business. So so it's kind of an inspiring story, too, for men and women. Wow, yeah, she sounds uh, very inspiring. And then from your work that you've done with women's mentoring, uh, give us a success story. I hate to put you on the spot. Something just pops Ooh. in your head, a success story of of a young woman that you've worked with yeah. in the past couple of years that's gone through the mentoring and now she's doing some great things too. Um, gosh, you know, I, that I'm thinking who can I, who can I out loud speak about, uh, you know, that that's worked in media, but there's a young woman who has, was actually in my, it's not a, a local person, but she was in my sorority in college a few years younger than me, my brother's age, and she wanted to get into media. And she ended up working at a small station in Idaho for a couple of years and would always go back and forth. So I'd look at her stuff and say, okay, you know, this is looking really good. And this is what somebody did for me too. I mean, you know, this part looks really good. Your voice is awesome here. Let's work on maybe your writing on this story. Or maybe could you have asked this question during the interview? Or, um, you know, slow down your pacing a little bit so people can understand that sort of things so would go back and forth back and forth and she ended up just getting a job in what a market that at one time was my 
sort of dream market, which is Spokane, Washington. Um, it's it's not a huge city, but it's my like the station that I grew up watching, and also one that she grew up watching. So it was really neat when she got that, and so now she's uh, a weather anchor and news anchor and reporter there. And that's great coaching she got from you. I she mean, would I'm have not otherwise. It's me. <laughs> no, you know what you're doing. You obviously know what you're doing. You're in a top five market in the country in Dallas, and you're you know TV and how to write and journalism, and you're giving her advice, and that yeah. stuff you can't get anywhere. If you want it, you have to pay for it oh. to get a you know a coach to to. True. So this mentoring <laughs> has helped her, and now she gets to in ten years. Get your job and you'll be fired. Oh, it's not the way. That's okay. That's okay. Hopefully I'll, you know, I'll just be sitting on a beach somewhere. But since you mentored her, she'll remember that. And then 10 years later, she'll hire you back. Yeah, I can be her assistant. Not to be her assistant, no. (laughs) Yeah, it's not the way. It's so the way. Jenny Enchando is our guest, and she, uh, I don't know how many hats you wear between the fitness expertise, the journalism, the television with Fox 4 in Dallas, the women's mentoring. Uh, now you're an author. You said you just said you're part of a book. What's next for yeah. you? Oh, my gosh. Well, my my actually long-term goal is to write my, my own book. So my I was so motivated, actually, by Allison writing this book, and I have started a couple over the years and just never really knew how to go about you know, how do you get it published? How do you pitch it to somebody? How do you make a, you know, focus it down to, to really what you want to have on the pages? So, um, so I've been speaking with a couple of people about getting that done. So that's sort of like in my free time, I don't know, but I would like to be able to stay in Dallas for a long time. I'd like to stop moving. I'd like to, you know, make a, a home base somewhere. So hopefully it will work out that that is Dallas and I can stay there for a very long time and just kind of, you know, make a normal life for once. <laughs> I hope you like June bugs. <laughs> the biggest the June pests. bugs I've ever seen in my life. The pests. I have a $35 a month pest plan <laughs> because I do not like any bugs. <laughs> I already got that stable. I don't have anything else settled in my life except for that, my pest plan. <laughs> Well, Jenny, uh, pleasure to have you on the show. It's at Jenny Enchando on Twitter, and uh, I follow your Twitter. You do a lot of philanthropy community service. You're always speaking at uh, functions and get-togethers and fundraisers. And on behalf of the human race, we thank you for not only getting in front of the camera for your job, but actually getting uh, off the set and actually doing something to help out. So thank you. Oh, that's so sweet. Of course, that's what, you know, it's a, it's just, I feel lucky to be able to do it, to be honest with you. It sounds kind of cheesy, but, I, you know, I'm thankful to be in a position to be able to, to help and, and get out there and do as much as I can, and I hope that that streak continues. The Adam Ritz Show is recorded live, both in studio and across the country. For information on this broadcast, including how to hear this show on a station in your city, visit Adam Ritz show.com